0: Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Well, welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. Today we have Stacey Nadeau, who is a professional speaker, coach, and sorority woman.
1: Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here.
0: Very excited to have you as well. So Stacey, can you tell me a little bit about your career
1: journey? Yes, it's a very wild career journey story. Uh, So when I was a sophomore in college, I was approached and asked to be part of the Dove campaign for Real Beauty. And so our campaign launched in 05. It was the original leg of the campaign, which is still in existence today. And our leg was designed to really help broaden the stereotype of what women can and do look like in the media. And our goal at that point was really to wa- like widen that stereotypical view of women only look one way in the advertisements we see. And so six of us ranging in sizes 2 to 12 on airbrush and unretouched for the first time in advertising history. So it was a really exciting opportunity where I was able to what I thought at the time was going to be in a magazine for a month. I'm like, how fun is this going to be? Right. And what ended up happening is I started learning women's stories and I started being approached by different people who were affected by the campaign in some way. And while I always knew body image and confidence were issues, while I always heard about that, I grew up having my own, you know, struggles. What I didn't realize is how deep this went. And my experience and my participation in the campaign just turned something on for me. And I became truly enlightened and truly on fire about encouraging all people to feel really comfortable with themselves and good about themselves. And I just believe we deserve that. So after the campaign started to sort of slow down, we still do projects all the time, so it's never ended. But as it started to slow down, I was graduating college and I thought, okay, great, like I'm going to go get that job that I always thought I was going to go get. And I did. I went and got a sales job didn't love it. And it it was a really good experience for me not to like that job. It encouraged me to figure out what I do want to go do. Hating something sometimes that's right in front of you really encourages you to figure out, what do I want? And so I was able to be in that unique position where I could ask myself that question and I, I fell in love with speaking. I really got that bug. So about a year into the job, um I told myself whatever job I got out of school, I was going to give it a year, right? So I gave it the year. I quit on day hundred, 366, no joke, and I went and, you know, became part of an agency and started speaking speaking and luckily I've been able to do that full time ever since. Um so my business has broadened a bit the career p- portion of your question like it's it's broadened to consulting to lots of coaching. Right now I do a lot of work with different organizations and corporations to help them create, you know, women's communities, women's resource groups, things like that within their organization. And so I just love it. I get to travel and do all this and meet amazing people and at the end of the day just really help people grow their confidence, shift their self-talk, feel good about themselves so that they can show up however they want to show up in all the different facets of their life.
0: That's so interesting that you gave it a year in a sales position, which a lot of recent grads probably are finding themselves in that position of that first sure. job. Not a fan of it. Yes. Maybe at a low a little bit. Yes. From that and then
1: taking, finding your passion and really going with it. Yes. And I I hope this doesn't come across as like, oh, it's that simple. There were some rough days. Right? Yeah. And there were a lot of moments where I'm like, what am I doing? And yet I do think it was now looking back. Hindsight's always twenty twenty it was an imperative year for me. I mean, it it truly gave me the motivation to go figure it out.
0: Sometimes you just have to tough it up a little bit and go for it. It's true. Yeah. Which to be fair, not everyone can do that. But that's still great.
1: When you find your passion, you just really go for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a unique position to be in that I was able to go for it. And I had I took out a business loan to be able to do it. So, you know, it was again, I I put my neck out there a bit. I took a risk. um, And luckily, it did work out.
0: So you speak a lot about confidence and building women's confidence. And one thing that you talk about a little bit is your inner critic. What is that? So
1: the way I describe inner critic is that inner critic to me is that voice inside of our head that is talking to us. So, you know, one thing I always like to point out is every human being talks to themselves, And if you're listening to the podcast right now and going, well, I don't know, you know, that's you talking to yourself right now. Or like, how often do I talk to myself? That's you right now having that conversation with yourself. We're there. And... What's striking to me is that we have the average human being has between 35 and 48 thoughts per minute happening in their head. What we also know statistically is 80% of the thoughts we have are negative. And it scares me when I hear these kinds of things because I'm thinking to myself, A, I guess I'm not that shocked. We all have that kind of voice sometimes. And B, what I love about this is that we actually have more control and more power over it than we ever thought we did, or we give ourselves credit for. And so what happens is 90% of our thought patterning is also habitual. So that means like 90% of what we are thinking happens on a regular loop, like all of the time. But if 90% of our thoughts, if 80% of those are negative, hmm, we're setting ourselves up to have some tough days. We're setting ourselves up to be in tough positions. And so that critic to me is the voice inside of your head that somehow holds you back. And it's the voice that's telling you you're not thin enough, you're not strong enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not good enough, you don't belong here. Who are you? And it's typically trying to keep you safe. It's typically trying to hold you back. And my goal is to help you learn tools where you can quiet that inner voice and that inner critic down and you can turn up that volume of like, I can do this anyway. I hear you voice, but I'm going to keep moving anyway. I like that. I hear you, but you can keep going anyway, right? Yes. I think something unique about my messaging is, you know, I... Used to want to get rid of my inner critic. Anything I could do to get rid of that voice, I would have done anything. And I was having panic attacks in college and I was having a lot of anxiety in college. And so I was at a place where I would have done truly anything if you just told me, hey, do this, it'll get rid of the voice. That shuts it off. Yes. And what I had to learn over time is there is no getting rid of it. So in fact, in my content and in my tools, I ask you to befriend your inner critic. I ask you to actually get to know your inner critic because at the end of the day, your inner critic, again, is trying to motivate you somehow. I just ask that you retrain your inner critic how to motivate you. Yeah. But I want you to get to know that voice. That voice is there for a reason. It's trying to help you in some way. It's 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 showing you what you're scared of. It's showing you, you know, where you might need to open up, etc. So, what's unique about my positioning is like let's get to know it. Let's slow down a little bit and listen instead of staying on that autopilot, instead of staying kind of just up here. I'm fine. I'm fine, right? Kind of like how do we actually get to know the inner critic and understand where that voice is coming from. Well, that's something that getting
0: to know your inner critic, it almost sounds like
1: getting to know yourself, right? I think that's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, and in, in, in really getting to know your whole self, not just the parts we wanna show and not just the parts we wanna present, but what is all of me? And all of me has critic in me. All of me has judgment in me. All of me has days I don't feel good. I want you to acknowledge those. Cause the other piece about just trying to get rid of that critic is like you'd be shutting off a piece of yourself that. Still motivates you is still a part of you. That's still a great part of you. I just want you to show up differently so it doesn't stop you. So when you talk about
0: befriending your inner critic, I mean, you obviously can't go up to her and say, "Let's go to Starbucks." Yeah. <laughs> How do
1: you do it? <laughs> so there's there's so many tools we could you know we could probably talk all day about them. But I think some of the biggest ways is to really kind of get to know your story. Um, in my opinion, the way I define your story is things you believe to be true about yourself, both positive, both negative. And the way I describe this is your story is like what. You you believe to be so true about yourself, it's unshakable. So for example, I think I'm a really good dancer. I grew up dancing. I love dancing. So I always say like if somebody came up to me at a wedding reception and was like, oh, Stacey, like you're not doing too good at dancing. I'd be like, OK, come on. Like, did you see me out there? Right. Like, look, did you see my moves? Like, to me, it's unshakable. I'm a, I'm a good dancer. I love it. It's great. But if you if I walked out of this room right now and somebody was like, Stacey, like I heard you weren't very good at math. I'd be like, oh, I know. Right. I am not good at math. Not news to me. Right. Exactly. Because I hold that story that I'm not good at math. And so for me, it's it's kind of identifying those pieces you believe to be extremely true about yourself and fact checking them. Am I actually bad at math? Where did I learn that? Ask yourself some questions. Who's the first person that introduced that concept to me? Did I learn it on my own? Did somebody say it to me? You know, in my personal story, a second grade teacher told me I was bad at math, but it was it's still on me that I carried that story around with me and I let that story become part of mine. So the reason I ask you to kind of question it and fact check it is, are you holding on to a story that somebody handed you Mm -hmm. that you're holding on that isn't actually true anymore? or It's not something you want to Carry anymore, things like that. So fact checking is important, but also like, do I want this? Is this serving me? Is me carrying around the story I'm bad at math serving me? Heck no. So I want to let that go. I want to be intentional about letting that go. I'm going to change my language. I'm going to change my thought patterning. I'm going to find people to support a different story, which is I can do math. I'm good. Am I the next world's smartest CPA? No, but I don't need to be. I just need to be okay enough. Right. And so That I think that examining that story is a really good place to start. I also think thinking about your power and how much power you hold. I think we as people specifically, I think we as women forget how much magic and power we hold and how much we have. And I always think about power as like, I think about it in a jar and it like sits in my gut and I visualize it in my gut. And to me, It's important that like 75% of my power stays with me at all times. I always want at least 75% of my own power. That means I can make decisions on my own. That means I trust my own intuition, my own gut, things like that. And 25% of my power goes elsewhere because I believe in connection, because I believe in people. I believe in relationships. So for example, who gets 25% of this power? My husband, my partner gets some, right? My, My business partner gets some. My friends, my family, like people who I know are on my team, who have my back, who believe in me. So that means if those people have an opinion or if those people call me out on something, like I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to give them the time of the day. I really respect them. There's some mutual respect there. Doesn't mean I just automatically agree with them. Doesn't mean any of that. It just means I have mutual respect. I'm listening to you. But I really like this concept because it helps me visualize like how can I stand on my own and how can I have my confidence and how can I befriend this this inner critic? Because if I'm befriending the inner critic, I can hold on to my power. So I always say too, if you're right now listening to this podcast, and you're like, wow, man, where have I given my power to, right? And you might be thinking like an old romantic relationship or partner. Or you might be thinking about like an old boss who really upset you or something. I want you to like visually go take that power back. Like, don't leave power with people who are no longer in your circle or who no longer respect you or give you that respect. Now, I say this to a lot of people and people are like, what do you want me to do? Like, show up on the door of my ex, you know, partner's house and be like, give me back my power. And I'm like, heck yes, if that's what helps you. And no, I'm kidding. Don't do that. But visually kind of remind yourself, like, pull all that power back in with you. You know, the way we grow the confidence, the way we actually work these tools is to make sure we're keeping that with us, reminding ourselves of our magic.
0: I've never thought of it that way of like, how is your power distributed? Because thinking through like my own
1: life is like, oh, crap, where is my power right now? Sure. And that's what exactly what I'm offering. It's just these little like self-reflection tools, right? How can I think about my story? How can I think about my power? And to your point, where is it distributed? Where is it at? It's important to think about.
0: It's really important to think about, especially as we are going through
1: life and it's not a one and done situation, right? Absolutely right. And in, that's why I think learning the tools at any point we learn the tools at any age, at any stage, it's so important because we you'll find yourself using these over and over and over again. And things change and things shift and new opportunities and new challenges present themselves. And if you have kind of these baseline how to talk to yourself mm-hmm. tools and how to kindly talk to yourself, how to lower that inner critic, if you can show up first with kindness to yourself versus that critic. You know, you're going to show up in a completely different way. Kindness versus criticism. Yes. But there's definitely some cases where that
0: criticism can be useful like you were saying earlier and when you go to the right people for it. So like looking back at Who has your power and who you're giving voice to, like, if you need to change your inner critic? Part of me is thinking of, like, we have the 80% of that's negative in our mind, but how
1: powerful would that be if that was positive? Absolutely. I love that thought and I love switching that because, A, like I said at the beginning, we're we're in control, we often forget how much control we have over our own brains and how we actually can, our brains are muscles, we can retrain our brains to do different things. Uh, and so that's important. A, that's why I think about power in our story and all these things. And the amount of energy we give to our inner critic, the amount of time we give our inner critic, the amount of power and attention we give this inner critic, to your exact beautiful point, what would happen if you gave your inner goddess, Mm -hmm. that instead, right? What if just one positive thought is what you gave all the energy to today or just in the next hour? What would it look like for you? What would open up in your life? What would change? How would it shift? How would you feel? And when you do that, and, and the reason I say try an hour is because try this in bite-sized pieces. Yeah. You know, you have to remember, we, we have patterning that we've held on to for, you know, 15, 20, 35, 45, 65 years. It's not going to all be changed because you listen to one podcast, yes. you know. <laughs> but what does work and what we know works is the small incremental changes that you keep doing over and over again. So if you try for the next hour to give your attention to that positive thought and it works, mm-hmm. try it for a half a day. Right. Try it for a week. Try it for whatever it may be and see what starts to shift. And when things start to shift, if they do in a positive way, if it aligns with you, if it feels good, you're going to retrain your brain like, hey, I like this. I'm going to try this next week. I'm going to try this the week after. And that's how we actually create the new neural pathways in our brain to quite literally shift the way we think.
0: I think that's because thinking back of the, the little small incremental changes, that makes me think of almost like New Year's resolutions and people we will go and try and make those big shift and it doesn't stick because yes.
1: you can't just make that big change all at once. Yes. You have to start small, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, technically you can do whatever you want. We know what's more successful to your point, right? And what is typically more successful is the smaller kind of bite-sized chunks. And the other thing that I always tell clients that I work one-on-one with is, you know, goals and and things we want to do differently or things we want to quote, improve on are so important to have in our life. I, I love having goals. And sometimes we forget we also have 52 other things we're doing at the same time. We're leading organizations, we're working, we're caregivers, we're partners, we're all of these things. And so we have to give ourselves realistic opportunity. I want you to set yourself up for success, right? And so remember you're doing all these other things. So if you have a big goal and taking it bite-sized chunks, it feels feasible. It feels manageable. And it's actually an amazing way to grow confidence because the more you accomplish those little bite-sized chunks, the more you start to go, oh, I can do this. And then the next time you see a goal or something like that, your brain resorts back to the positive, to the accomplishment, not to like, well, the last time I set a huge goal and didn't make it. <laughs> now it goes back to like, well, last time I set a goal and I broke it down into these like 16 little chunks and it worked. And so you start to get a new track record that you can go back and compare to. Just building blocks almost. Absolutely. Building blocks is a great great way to think about it. Yeah.
0: You have to start somewhere and yes. If you don't start, you're n- never going to get there. Yes,
1: actually true.
0: So for someone that's listening and they're like, "Okay, I want to start, but you know, I'm going to start focusing on the inner critic or trying to make her more the positive aspect of her for the next hour." What are like the tools you would give them to say, "This is how you do that?"
1: Okay. So let's say we're taking 1 hour. I would say I would ask you for 5 minutes to do some self-reflection if you're In the car, just sort of be quiet in this reflection and just think it through in your head. Um, If you're at home or able to write it down, I highly recommend writing them down. And I would try to think about the top five to 10 things that you say to yourself on a regular basis that don't serve you. They're not thoughts that make you feel better. They're not thoughts that make you feel good. They're typically thoughts that are tearing you down in some way or playing on some sort of insecurity in some way. So those top five to 10 things that don't serve you, I want you to really sit with them. I want you to acknowledge them. I don't want you to just throw them out. The thing here is, is remember, they are trying to serve you in some way. You're having some sort of emotional reaction to these thoughts for some reason. But I want you to sort of do a very quick fact check. Like, I don't think these are serving me. And I want you to come up with just one or two calm, loving statements that you can sort of work on replacing them with. Here's how it works. You're not going to just magically stop thinking those thoughts because you wrote them down. And I know this. But the next time you find yourself sort of going through that list or resorting back to that negative, that knee-jerk sort of statement that's not serving you, I want you to just calmly say to yourself, I hear you, inner critic. And you can name in the inner critic. You can say your own name. You can, However you show up with your inner critic, I hear you. I know you're trying to help me, but that's not serving me today. And then I want you to, or even right now, or in the next five minutes, that's not serving me. And then I want you to replace it with one of those like positive things you believe to be true about yourself. And you just do a very quick shift. It's not always going to be super easy. And I get that. But it is simple. The formula is simple. Doesn't make it super easy, but it is a pretty simple formula that we can really it's tangible. We can do it starting right this second. Um, And it's important to try. And I promise the more you exercise this, the more it becomes just a natural flow and you don't have to think so much about it.
0: Well, it's one of those things of not beating yourself up if you don't get it right. I think that's kind of something where we, especially as women, if you mess it up, you're like, cool, done. Doesn't
1: work. Yes. Going back and trying it again. Yes. And if you if you go back and one of the biggest things this does is help you grow confidence It helps you grow resilience. So if you do decide to go back to that or try something again and you find yourself falling into those negative, well, it didn't work last time and last time I messed this up or I don't feel good enough. You know, another thing you can say to yourself is, I forgive myself for buying into the belief that I'm not good enough just because I made one mistake. I forgive myself for buying into the belief that I'm not good enough because this didn't work last time. And then you can keep moving. And that we know to showing up and forgiving yourself, even though it can sound a little interesting the first few times you say it to yourself, is really important because it kind of just does this mental shift where I forgive myself for buying into that. I'm acknowledging that that's not true and I'm moving forward in a different space. If you're finding a pattern here, most of my tools, most of the tools that work are about choice. They're just about slowing down for us to make a different choice. I think that's something that it takes a lot to do. Sometimes slowing down, that's a choice in itself. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Again, I make this stuff sound as simple as I possibly can, but I know it's not the easiest thing on the planet. It can be done, though. And it's amazing when it does happen.
0: I just love the idea of you can reprogram that voice in your head. And to me, the motivation would be, what are the great things that you can do without her there or her saying nice things to you instead? Absolutely.
1: You know, one of the one of my favorite quotes that I butcher every time, but it's like, you know, what if I fail? And then it's like, darling, but what if you fly? Yeah. Right. And so it's like, again, to your point earlier, why fill the space with worrying about all the things that could happen that are wrong or bad or what we don't want? What if we daydreamed about all the amazing things that could come? All the amazing things we could create.
0: One question I have, though, is do we fully want to get rid of like everything critical? Because in some cases, maybe like we said earlier, it's telling you things about yourself. Are there some situations where you're like, okay, I want to keep like a part of it or maybe reevaluate your thinking of those critical things?
1: I think this is an amazing question. The way I look at this Some people call this inner criticism, like positive inner criticism, things like that. I call it inner reflection. I think there's a huge difference between reflection and criticism. So when people will say to me, Well, I hear you about the inner critic, but what if the inner critic's right? What if the inner critic's telling me something that I do want to work on? And to me, that's what the question I always ask the inner critic if I'm on that fence is Is this thought serving me? And for me, it's like, Hmm, I didn't treat sister Sally, the way I would have liked to treat sister Sally the other day. And it's been on my mind and I'm thinking about it. Well, it might sound like an inner criticism, but it actually is a self-reflection. Like there's something in me morally that's like, ah, I wish I would have said something different to sister Sally. And for me, is this thought serving me? Yeah. It's making me a better person because I'm thinking about how I treat other people. Okay. So then the difference, the second part of the difference is in reflection, You go do something about it. You go to Sister Sal and you say, you know what? I'm I'm feeling uncomfortable about what I said the other day or how I treated the situation. You know, I'm sorry about that. And here's what I meant to say. For example, if it's criticism, you're often just ruminating. There's nothing to do about it. It's probably not true. Things like that. So the reflection and the criticism to me are two separate voices. And while they can get confused with one another, that's the question I ask to try to determine which side am I on right now, the (laughs) reflection or the criticism. Yeah,
0: I think that's a really great distinction to make, too, because, again, we're all human. 100%. We're not perfect. There's always going to be things to work on. And it's so important to be able to identify when, okay, this is a reflection versus this is just being mean to myself. I agree with you completely. Yep. Beautifully said. Well, Stacey, we're at the point in our podcast where we like to ask our guests this one question, which is, what is
1: your purpose? My purpose is helping humans uncover and grow their confidence. I want to say specifically women. (laughs) I love working with women the most. And to me, my purpose is helping remind women how magical they are. It's something that a lot of women need reminding of too. Yes, I know. Unfortunately, I always say that I want to put myself out of business. Like I, <laughs> I, and I, I love my work, but I really want this to no longer be an issue to the point where people have to hire me to come speak or coach or whatever it may be. I would love to put myself out of business. I would love, I think this world would be monumentally different if like women just remembered even just 10% more of their magic. Uh, so that's my purpose. That's my mission. I'm going to help more women remember their magic.
0: And what a great purpose and mission. Yeah, thank you. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. Appreciate it. So Stacy, if anyone wants more of you or more of your content, how how do they get in touch? What are your handles? All that fun stuff.
1: Absolutely. So the best place to sort of just keep track of overall things is stacynato.com. That's N-A-D-E-A-U. And then Instagram is where I have the most fun and play. So Stacey L. NATO is my handle there. And that's where I throw a lot of content and tidbits. And if you're a quote person, I love a good quote and things like that. Who doesn't love a good quote? I know. Sometimes they really help. Do you have a favorite <laughs> quote? I have too many favorite quotes. There's no such thing. Yeah, you're. I think you're right about that. Probably right now, the one that's sitting on my computer is, well, nevertheless, she persisted and she believed she could. So she did. And those are just really, to me, they get right to the point and they help me remind myself like, go, you got this. Short and sweet. Short and sweet.
0: Well, thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Love, Lead, Listen. That's all for today. See you next time. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.